0: Imagine you stand at the supermarket and you have two steaks in your hand. Okay, to make it Red to Green compliant, let's say they are plant-based and cell-based. One will reach its expiry date in three days and the other in six days.
1: The truth is you don't mind to take shorter expiration date item, but not for free. You want to be incentivized for that. And the basic theory behind wasteless is very simple. You should not necessarily pay the same price for a fresh food item that expires in two days and five days, three days and six days.
0: This is Oded Omar, co-founder and CEO of Wasteless, a dynamic pricing startup that helps retailers discount their food at the right time to avoid
1: food waste. Now, believe it or not, retailers, they care and they are trying to fight the waste. And they try to minimize the waste by optimizing the replenishment and mainly by going with aggressive last day markdowns. You will recognize it as reduced to clear stickers. But they don't have sufficient amount of tools or sophisticated tools to deal with end of day. End of day is the villain. When we are talking about waste, we are talking 87% of the waste is just expiration date waste. And
0: that means the majority of waste at the retail level is still edible food. It just wasn't sold before the best before date, but you could still safely eat it.
1: And pretty much they are trying to fight a modern war with 1,700 troops, and this will never succeed. And what Wasteless develop is a solution by optimizing the markdowns, it is a solution for the retailers, it is a solution for uh, consumers, and it is a solution for the environment.
0: Let's jump right in. This is Red to Green, the audiobook-style podcast where food tech meets sustainability. You're listening to Season 4 on Food Waste. To support our work, please subscribe and share the episodes with your colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Marina Schmidt. You know, there's a report by Refed, and one of the most effective ways to reduce food waste is to address expiration dates. In German, it's called Mindesthaltbarkeitsdatum, which is a long word. Of course, it's German, and it means it's the minimum amount of time this food is going to be good And it has a different meaning, whereas an expiration date really makes you think of this food has gone bad. Do you think that the nomenclature around it, the way that it's described, is an important factor of how people deal with their food and the food waste?
1: Yes. So I'm not sure about the definition, but I am sure that there is a very messy system in the U.S. for uh, expiration date. As a consumer, you should expect sell by, best use before and expired. As a consumer, you may ask yourself, what is best used before? And what is the sell by anyway? Can they sell it today if I eat it tomorrow? Could they sell it last week? I'm going to eat it next month. The dating games, this is the name it is being called in the US, the dating games are just uh, horrible and really confusing and generates tons of waste. Even in the U.S., there are 50 states and there is no one single legislation for what should be dated now. There is really huge differences in the rules between states. There is no one legislation. Therefore, there is no one education. The data you have behind it is very, very confusing.
0: Yeah. You know, I find it interesting when I remember that my mother used to shop in a very different way than I do. She would go through the aisles in the supermarket and she would turn each package and I look for the nutrition and the ingredients and she would do what you said in the beginning, go with her hand as far to the back as possible, grab the last one available check the expiration date another time and then put it in. Ironically, once she bought stuff, she wouldn't care about the expiration date at all. Like she'd be like, "Ah, oh, you know, it's two years too old, whatever. You know, we can just eat it. And I find that the way that I shop and a lot of people in the 20s to 30s, 35 is not that focused on expiration dates anymore. But we are maybe a bit more squeamish about food and a bit more afraid of something that is already a year too old what is your experience with that
1: yeah so if you look at millennials and generation z then for sure you're right but i want to add on top of that yes we are checking the nutrition some of us but we for sure check the expiration date when we take it unless we are 100% trust the retailer, which we are currently buying from. But you know that people are very sensitive for prices. We're trying to move the needle with price variations. Instead of having one price in front of you, you will have two prices for the same product right? And one price is just the list price, the catalog price. And then the price from the left, let's say, is the price that was reduced due to expiration date. So even if consumers are more sensitive to nutrition facts and less for expiration date, you still can drive them to pick up an older item with price variations that are not very major, Okay, so multi-period markdowns uh, and not very deep markdowns, that's first. And they will also feel very good about helping the environment. And that's also in common to millennials and the Generation Z, because the people that are older than 50, they are less sensitive for the environment. Remember, 80s, Plastic Everywhere, Walkman, Mm -hmm. TV cassettes. That's a celebration of plastic and pollution. So people that are older than 50s, they are less educative with this regard.
0: Yeah, very interesting. And I remember on your website, you say that you are using an AI that's patented. Maybe it's a bit tricky for people to actually imagine what the hardware of your product is. So we know that in most supermarkets, especially the old ones, you have the low-tech paper (laughs) option (laughs) and and it can be quite messy sometimes and using wasteless means having the
1: high end which means a digital price tag right not necessarily it really depends on the retailer and on the continent let's say in the u.s What we hear more and more from retailers is just skip the electronic shelf labels because we are not going to do that. This is huge capex and it also affects store appearance. I think that electronic shelf labels will happen in the U.S. It takes time. What I hear from retailers in the U.S. is uh, something like people can just scan using my uh, own retail application so they can scan the, the product and they can get uh, two prices. So we are just uh, connecting our engines to the application of the retailer. And we also have API, and we are connecting now with one retailer for his online platform. And eventually, we will do that also for food deliveries. So not everywhere should be electronic shelf labels. Now, I also hear from some retailers that they don't want to use electronic shelf labels, but they prefer to continue with the stickers, and they will just print two prices on a sticker. But in this case, of course, they won't be able to change the prices more and more and more, like seven times a day. They will be able to replace prices maybe once Mm. a day, and it will for sure, for sure, affect the result. Because the more price changes that you have, the more results that you have. Not always, but when the engines decide to reduce the price, the price should be reduced. And if not, there is a loss potential that currently they carry. Currently, they are just losing money. Retailers are losing money because they wait to the last minute and they go with aggressive discount of 40%. Why last minute? Why 40%? Yeah.
0: So when I was looking at AI solutions for solving food waste in retailers, I came across some academic papers describing that Some wholesalers make an agreement with the retailer that the retailer only has to pay for products sold and that if some products are not sold and therefore end up as food waste, the risk is carried by the wholesaler, which obviously creates the problem that the people and the system that would be in charge of preventing that doesn't have any incentives to actually do so. Have you heard of something like that?
1: Yes, for sure. So first uh, you know that I am located in Israel and in Israel the phenomenon that you just mentioned is called ear returns. And uh, it is being done differently, but that's the same principle. There is a manufacturer instead of the wholesaler, okay? There is a manufacturer, the manufacturer produce something, sell it to the supermarket, and whatever the supermarkets cannot sell, they just return it back. And the producer just observed the damage. It's the same. In your case, the case you just mentioned, you have all seller. So yes, I heard about it. I can tell you that uh, in Israel, it is starting to be not very legal. So more and more producers, they uh, just removed this option to have returns. And uh, I know this is not very common in Europe as well. So yes, there are cases, but not very common anymore. You know that in France since 2017, I believe, there is a law that if you cannot sell it, you must donate it. And there are more uh, rules mm-hmm. coming in, in Italy now and in Spain.
0: Yeah, and how would you describe the difference between the European retailers that you've been in touch with? And it hasn't been that many, but like let's say the difference to the American retailer system, uh, obviously that's a very very broad and there's lots of diversity like in Europe as a European I can attest to that Mm -hmm. but if do you see like maybe major differences in mentality or approach to food waste
1: Yes, so there are many differences between European uh, retail and American retail. First, the European retail is much more advanced. And why? Mm -hmm. Because in Europe, one major goal that the supermarket is really to have less and less labor, and for that, they are willing to pay for more and more technology. So it is slimmer, it is more technology-focused, really advanced. Also, we checked the market situation on January 2017, 2018, 2019, and then 2020. And it took America three to four years to embrace the situation, to understand the situation around food waste. Early 2017, the awareness for food waste in retail was not, almost not exist so they knew of course the retailers but when i met some retailers and i asked them about what is your waste what is the loss what is the shrink these are not the same questions of course i heard cost of doing business or within the numbers you talked with cfos of huge retailers and they were willing to accept the fact that they are paying sometimes Nearly $1 billion, depends on the amount of annual revenues that you have. They are paying so much for food waste and still cost of doing business. And in Europe, it was, I'm not saying never, but it is for a long while, it is not cost of doing business. Also, the waste percentage in Europe, the numbers are varying between 2.5% to 4%. Now, if you sit with a European retailer, you will ask a CFO or let's say sustainability manager, and you will hear about 2%, 2 2.2%. But we are getting data from more than 20 retailers across the continent. And let's assume they are are measuring the numbers right. The averages are around 3.5%, 4%. And in the US, I met retailers that said we are touching 5.5%. That's a huge number. Think about a retailer that is selling $50 billion a year. Now, when you look at the solution landscape, it is also very different. Again, no electronic shelf labels in the U.S. just not exist. Not for now, unless you go to Target, Home Depot, but I'm talking about food. And then in Europe, it is everywhere. So I think that the five major companies of the electronic shelf labels altogether, they sold more than half a billion electronic shelf labels to the European market, which is a huge number. And therefore, you have a good technology enabler to expedite some other products, supporting products such as Wasteless and others, by the way. And lastly, manufacturing in Europe almost always is not in the store. Fresh items are not being produced in the store. They're being produced on manufacturing lines. And they're being packed and barcoded on the manufacturing line. And then in the US, you have major production in the store or behind the store, which is the same. And therefore, the whole supply chain just acts very different.
0: I just need to clarify. So you mean that European retailers, they have less Packaging, So less packaged goods and American retailers have more in-store
1: production or what was no, that? Uh, no, I'm saying that, let's say, for example, they have the same packaged goods on the shelves. Let's take 500 and 500. So in Europe, you should expect that the 500 products will be produced on manufacturing lines. So really producers like food producers. And in the U.S., many of the fresh items are being produced like slice and dice and being packed in the store or behind the store. You have delis everywhere as well, right? Mm Yeah. 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 Uh, now, in our case, of course, it changed the solution landscape for wasteless because we had to go through product fit when we started our US office. Mm,
0: interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was visiting San Francisco three years and I walked into a supermarket, which was considered, I think, a pretty normal supermarket, I was f- a mix of amazed and slightly shocked at the <laughs> setup. <laughs> and the size, the size just was just like the amount of food, the variety of food. And there are retailers well, in, in Europe, and I can mainly talk about Germany, that have a huge size. But it seems to me that in America, that's is more of the standard. And I can imagine that the size of the retailer highly affects the percentage also of food waste because it's just also so much harder to manage and oversee. Is that something you also noticed?
1: Yes, of course. The size of the store is connected strongly with the amount of waste that you have. So Wasteless is not monitoring or dynamically pricing. All the food items. We are selecting of your assortment. Let's say you have 20,000 SKUs and we will typically monitor 5%. Again, that's example. Maybe we will cover 10%. But 10% of 20,000 SKUs, SKU is storekeeping unit. Okay, so item. So 10% of uh, 20,000 SKUs is not equal to a store in center of Madrid with 8,000 SKUs. Now, when you look, Also in America, the stores that are inside city centers are smaller. And this is very similar to the European countries, because if you go outside Berlin, in your case, or Düsseldorf, you will see some huge stores.
0: Yeah. And interestingly, so if we look at the issue within the retail sector... The same issue is also apparent in the wholesale area. I have a friend of mine who founded a startup addressing food waste of wholesalers and they are reshipping the food waste, which is actually still perfectly edible, to donate to charities or to sell to producers. And he was describing to me the amount of waste that is already created at the wholesaler stage where they would pick up a whole truckload of perfectly good bananas, but they were just a day, a day too late. And I'm wondering if it wouldn't also make sense to have something like a wasteless for the wholesaler space that retailers could say, okay, these bananas are one day too old, but with that markdown, I'm still going to do that. How do you see that usually handled? And you think there's some kind of solution like this possible in the wholesaler space?
1: Yeah, so this is what we do. As we speak, we are uh, deploying in our 40 stores of a macro actually 20, 29 in Macro and then some in Metro. Macro is a subsidiary of uh, Metro uh, AG, right? And they are all sellers. And our solution works perfectly for all sellers as well, because what we say is price it in the right way. And if you mark down the item, just instead of waiting to the last day, start beforehand, go with less steep discount, and fix as you go. And again, the goal is to prevent the food from becoming surplus food. And the last day it is almost surplus food, not for all the food items, of course not. Not necessarily for cheese, let's say. But for bananas, yeah, you gave example that uh, <laughs> that is tough to tough to manage. What is especially tough about bananas? It has only two states. Not ready, rotten <laughs> <laughs> Very similar to avocado. But you know, that's also true. Not ready and rotten.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's their state, at least in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, with bananas, I think I was talking to somebody from Colombia and they were criticizing, like, Germans don't understand when to eat bananas. They eat bananas when they're still green and then they throw them out just when they're starting to become really sweet and nice. It's, again, this different perception of what is supposed to be a good state of food for him having a few brown spots and mm-hmm. having a few non-perfect places within the banana that are already a bit like glitchy is just when it becomes really good. So at least he has more states. <laughs> he has again, like
1: again that's, adu- green, adu- that's education. perfect <laughs> yes. uh, 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 that, uh, That's education. You can open the banana and if you have a few brown dots, you can cut them or whatever. But you don't necessarily have to throw away the whole banana
0: yes exactly people save your bananas <laughs> put them and, in the freezer and, and make
1: ice cream and, out and avocado. <laughs> of them.
0: yeah oh i have not found a solution for this one yet it's a, it's a really tricky one yeah yeah that if you would have 50 million that you could invest in businesses of any kind a certain space that you find especially promising where would you invest 50 million in if you couldn't
1: do so in wasteless climate engineering you know, now uh, everyone is talking about uh, changes that just have to be done. There is the new Bill Gates book. Everyone is talking about green premium. And this is really great. So that's a good discussion. But I think that we are too late. The efforts are too little and we are too late. And therefore, yes, we can improve. Yes, we should improve. Every field of expertise, food waste. One of them, fossil fuels, for sure, and the other, other fields. But to really save us, and I'm not talking about saving the planet, because the planet is not really under risk. We, humanity, we are under risk. We are going. The planet is staying. And to save us, we should invest in climate engineering, because eventually the solutions, that we will realize how to activate or when okay. there will be developed by uh, 2050 or so. And we will be using them Probably when the time will be too late for us.
0: Yeah. It's always the scheduled existential crisis.
1: <laughs> it so is, it, you it mean is what that it is.
0: Need technical solutions to change the climate.
1: Yes, definitely. You need technical ch- solutions to change the climate. There are some solutions already that are not scalable, that are only starting to be developed, really. There is also ethics around it. And also all the countries will have to join forces in order to approve it.
0: Regarding the areas of food, sustainability or agriculture, what is an unusual or controversial opinion that you have that many people would disagree on?
1: Yes, so it is connected to my last answer. I don't believe that we will be able to change what we're doing by the time it will be too late. I believe that People should do more and talk less. We left some money on the table in our last business and we established a Wasteless because we thought that we can change. And uh, I feel a little bit like a preacher moving from one retailer and pitch the solution again and again and again and see the mm. industry responding. But, you know, it takes time to move an elephant, right? And this thing is not particular to Wasteless. It is for every industry, That has to pay the green premium in order to improve and uh, you know produce less carbon footprint. So, what I'm saying, we started too late and we are not acting fast enough. So, my belief is that we won't be able to complete the task of going from a 51 billion tons GHD to zero annually. And the only way really to improve our own habitat will be just climate uh, engineering. And we should start with that now.
0: Yeah. So, dear listener, if you feel called to do something impact-driven, check out climate engineering as a potential field for the future. And we also have another resource on the website, which is about 200 different areas of potential impact. I filled out the spreadsheet made by a friend of mine. I think, Two years ago, or something when I was really thinking about uh, where I want to get involved. And it was a major help in clarifying my passion for everything food related. But like food and sustainability, I do not care about the next Snickers bar. Anything that's really in the area of plastic alternatives, food wastes, alternative proteins, vertical farming. All of these areas are listed in there, plus 195 or even more. <laughs> so check out, you'll find the link to this to download the spreadsheet on our website. Apart from that, thank you, Odette, for a really interesting interview. I was really happy to get into the dark side, the dusty corners of the retail space.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Marina. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. When I first started Red to Green, I was amazed. Wow, this is so much work. And it's made possible by a dedicated smart ninja team. If you enjoy our work, please take a minute to share it online, send it to friends or colleagues who would appreciate the episodes. Let's spread the message and let's move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green.